What's up, dirt bags? Welcome to episode 159 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch, just like every other time. What's back crack a lacking, Matt? Oh, I'm just sick of the wind. That's for sure. That is stinking for sure. We got ice, we got snow, and and a never ending supply of wind. Wind is just it does. It seems like every day is we've gotten wind. Yep. Well, it doesn't matter if it's 50 or if it's 30. It's right or negative. But I think that we can. Uh, I think that we can thank the the good Lord that we did not get the same amount of snow as what they got uh, a few Up hours north. north of us. Oh yeah, that was pretty wild. Yeah, that was a that got, was a mess. I got to experience a little bit of it on Sunday morning, and it wasn't or Monday morning. It wasn't very much fun. So. That's right. Uh, we're coming to you guys a couple days late. Uh, this episode will be dropping on Wednesday morning. We are currently recording it on Tuesday night. I just got a text from our buddy Biggie. He said, "Tell the dirtbags I said hello." Hey, dirtbags! Biggie says hello, <laughs> but uh, um, you know the. I, I I ended up being busy this weekend, Matt. Uh, um, you want to tell us where were where were you at this weekend? Traveled up to Alexandria. Traveled up to Alexandria, you yeah. say? Yep. Did a little did a little fishing. Nothing like too much. Just okay. kind of got out on a couple of the lakes up there. Didn't really have much success. Caught some little tiny perch. That was about it. So I saw the one day that it looked like you had some good food. Oh, it was it was every day that we had some good food there's some great restaurants up there we had some wings the one day yeah that's DJ's right i think tap you, house up there dj's tap house yeah, what a, what flavor you get sweet chili it's always sweet kind of, chili kind of always my go-to good wings they were really okay good. okay they looked good they were dang good <sighs> and everyone knows how i feel about a good set of wangs so <laughs> uh it is officially hooked on hard water week it is and, uh um, just a few days away actually, that's right when everybody's listening so. yep uh there's there's a chance if uh if you're not the early bird on this episode uh um you're you're either listening to to us uh a while we're packing or b we could be heading westbound while could you're listening driving. to this uh we we might be out with some boys while you're listening to this and uh who knows we could be back and uh five weeks down the road by the time you listen to this uh, it doesn't really matter but uh, um yep it is officially hooked on hard water week and i i know i can speak for matt but uh um, we are jacked to get that under our belt uh we've got matt and i and we've got the ramrod we've got big tall scott mockentune and uh, we got our buddy matt gravy from over in george uh he's going to be coming along with us so we've got a full full truck we do but that's going to be good uh, we got a full truck. We're going to have a full 26-foot trailer, uh, and we're going to be heading west. And uh, Might be packed to the gills. Well, I mean, push come to shove, we let Ramrod sit in the trailer. Uh, that's my vote. Because that's your vote? <laughs> okay. That's. I mean, the other day we went to eat at Pizza Ranch, me, Eric, and Ramrod, and uh, as we were walking up, I, I hit the unlock. I got my door open got uh eric, eric got his door open and i turned around and locked it ramrod got locked out he decided he thought he was going to hop in the bed of my truck and he <laughs> i think he thought oh no oh, hell no man he got to ride to you're the, damn right he drove work. all the he way did. across town in the back of the truck <laughs> so then he undoes my my roll up bed bed cover or whatever and and starts trying to roll it down well it was like like you said earlier it was windier than i'll get out and i'm like if that sucker catches the wind and it goes like i I'm gonna freaking go off road. Right, I had that. We when we were driving up to Alexandria on Friday with that real nasty wind, and it was a crosswind. And uh, just north of Lake Wilson, we were driving. All of a sudden, I looked back at my tannel cover, and she I, was coming loose. I could see it coming loose, yeah. and I was like, "Oh crap!" And then 
pretty soon all of a sudden foom, there it go i was like oh crap quick pulled over and i could hardly get my door open to get really? out there yeah i was like holy cow like what is going on here gale force winds it was so i was able to get out there and get it all velcroed back down and heck yeah yeah all righty well uh, uh we've got we've got some guests that i'm really excited to talk about and if you did uh well a, if, if you caught that, I said guests with an S at the end. That means uh, we're having more than one, obviously. But chances are you read. Uh, we've got Colby Craninger and uh, Ben Luderman on. Um, they, uh, um, I think Colby is from, I don't know. The Okaboji area. Okaboji area. Ben, maybe up like by up Slayton. by Worthington or yeah, Slayton, or, Slayton or something. Think Minnesota. But, um, uh, you know, I think both of them grew up fishing a lot on Okaboji. Um, but if you guys have been paying attention to NAIFC, Ultimate Panfish League, any of that, uh, they are pretty consistently up towards the top. They are. They're a couple of hammers, that's for sure. And I think their trophy cabinet is probably looking for an addition, and then that addition will probably get another another addition on it. Uh, these guys have been these guys have been doing great. Uh, they're fresh off of a, a UPL uh, win. And uh, so, yeah, we we figured out how to do a group call on Matt's phone. Uh, so we're fingers crossed. Uh, I think we can get him on, and yeah, uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have a four way conversation. Uh, you know about uh, uh, fish and panfish. So uh, uh, let's let's give this a shot here. And we're here today with uh, Ben Luderman and Colby Craninger, the uh, the dynamic duo that just seems to be winning tournaments. Back to back to back to back to back. They win every tournament they're in. <laughs> That's all right, guys. You can pat yourself on the back like you. I mean, you you got you guys are doing it. We do all right. You do all right. I mean, be humble when you're on the podcast. <laughs> well, we're always learning something, I guess. But it just we do all right, but we beat ourselves up too. So yep. You know, and that's why I think we are as successful as how we are is because we uh you know it takes us a couple of days to recuperate and really learn why each tournament went the way it did i guess yeah, yeah. I, my, my best lessons have came from tournaments i got my butt whooped i don't you don't learn as much when you win you know you look back when you lost and wonder what could we have done different what did the team that beat us do um yeah a lot of lessons to be learned that way yeah, I definitely that. with you know with the bad comes the good i mean it's a learning experience all the way around if you want to be a well-rounded uh fisherman and tournament fisherman oh, yeah. all right guys uh so so we always like to start these shows off uh with a couple random questions obviously we've got two of you so uh i want to know uh we'll, we'll start with you ben you or colby who ends up having to pee more out on the ice during the tournament <laughs> <laughs> oh man, him by a mile. You know, I will admit, uh, but I always seem to get, I'm always either peeing by everybody's four wheelers before we start or peeing at the weigh in. I always do wait, but during the I, tournament, he's good. He, he doesn't, he never has to during the tournament, but pre fishing, you know, you'll find him just standing there by himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you drink a pile of coffee or, or is it just nerves? Oh, you know, there's always a few nerves at the beginning, and I always like to get it out of the way because, you know, if you're t 
to be honest with you, if you're working a fish or something like that, the last time, the last thing you want is to be able to think about, man, I really got to pee, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. I guess right. that's why I do it. So. Mm-hmm. And it never happens when it's slow. I mean, it's not like, no. oh, okay, there's no fish biting, so I go to the bathroom. It's like, all right, I think I'm going to go. Oh, I'm marking one. Here it comes. Yeah. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> exactly. All right, Colby, uh, uh, one for you. When the alarm clock goes in the morning, which one of you two is the first one up and at them? Ben can't sleep. Really? He serves during the night, so I always look, my alarm clock goes off, and Ben's usually looking at his phone. Wow. I'm going to early rise at 4.35 o'clock. Yeah. Well, you got to get out there and get after him, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, always thinking in the morning. All right. This one, this one, either one of you guys can answer this one, but who picks the, the music on, on the truck ride there? Ben whistles. I don't know. I whistle a lot. I guess you <laughs> Yeah. He's going to tune me out. <laughs> Are either of you guys a singer? Oh, Ben likes to think he did. Once in a while, you know. <laughs> what? Uh, so, so if you were if you were to sing us a song right now, what song would it be? Oh boy, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, I guarantee well, you, that's one he listened to. Well, yeah, that would come along. I usually uh, try and play it back. I get a song stuck in my head, and then automatically everybody that's around me gets it stuck in their head because I keep repeating it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could probably see a little bit of Tulsa time. Tulsa <laughs> time. <laughs> I haven't tried that one, but you never know. <laughs> All right, uh, Ben, th- this question uh, will start off with you, but uh, how did you guys become tournament partners? Oh, it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, it was before the NAFC tournament down in Okaboji in 2019. And I was down there pre-fishing. I'd taken the time off work to go down there during the day, during the week. And about oh, 2.30, 3 o'clock, I saw this guy walking around with an Aquaview and an Aquaview sweatshirt. Didn't have a clue who he was. Um, I thought, boy, he looks like he's actually fairly serious. I'll just, you know, start up a conversation with him. So I walked over there. We got to talking a little bit. And, and uh, yeah, I, I convinced him to come fishing by me in Little Emerson. We went back there, and, you know, after that, we talked a little bit. We became friends on Facebook, and then the tournament come up, and, you know, we talked a little bit at the rules meeting, and, yeah, then the, the next day, um, of course, the bite was pretty tough, and, you know, had a fairly good day there. Um, then me and Kobe got to talking after the tournament, and, yeah, we just talked about how the fishing was that day, kind of things that we did different from each other. I had a uh, Ultimate Panfish League tournament coming up at the end of the season, and my partner that I had at the time uh, was a pig farmer. And last second, he found out that he had hogs getting loaded out on that weekend, so he couldn't make it with me. And I thought, boy, who do I know that's a, a fairly reliable angler that would fish tournaments? So I called up Kobe and asked him to fish it with me. And, uh, yeah, we fished it together. It was Knife Lake up by Mora, Minnesota. We ended up taking fourth place. So our first tournament together, we had a top five. He almost got me team of the year back. I had lost that, uh, the tournament before, to Waldo and uh, Matt Milbrandt. So we had like a little over a pound to make up. I think we gained, we were within a half pound at the end of the day. So ever since then, we just kind of stuck together and meshed pretty good, battled pretty good. I think uh, we think a lot alike, which helps when we're on the water. So yeah, that's kind of how I remember it. I don't know if Kobe's got anything different. 
Oh, yeah, that's the story, to be honest with you. That NAIC tournament, the one in 19 here, you know, I had done good in the stands tournaments and stuff like that. Usually, I don't slip up too much on the Okobo, on the Emerson Bay Bluegills, but that day, my partner and I, Keith McCormick, had struggled, and Ben won that one. And uh, I got to talking to him after that about what he did, and, uh, you know, I, I knew that uh, he had the time and you know the biggest thing is is that he had the time he's got the money and the drive to do it and that's why both of us have those three key factors and those are three key factors that it takes for both partners to have to be successful in tournament fishing oh yeah no no you guys had to have a stepbrothers moment then didn't you there when (laughs) kind of like did we just become fishing partners (laughs) 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 yep (laughs) yep uh, he told me after I talked to him, he says, God, I didn't know who this weirdo was that was talking to me. What, you Were you just using him for his aqua view, be honest? Not even a little bit. I had my live <laughs> scope out there looking around. I'm oh, like, okay. Boy, that was serious. It was in Little Emerson. I was actually, that was right when uh, basically live scope was the latest and greatest. And I think I was out there still trying to dial it in. I just got it like a month mm-hmm. before that. And it was, uh, what was that, Ben? It was early enough ice. I think I was pulling a jet sled around, wasn't I? Yeah, it was probably like five, six inches of ice. I remember I was long rodding back in Little Emerson, and you come in and fished with your live scope and down view back in there, and that was kind of cool. I, I had built my own unit the year before, you know, before you could buy the bundle, and but I had never really used it in down view much, so I was watching you do that. Yeah, I don't do that a whole lot anymore, but it was cool to kind of see the feature, I guess. But So, yeah, that's basically how we got to know each other and got to doing that stuff and then the the next year after that it really took off we pretty much knew that each of us had had uh had what it took and then uh, i think we heck we would we even talk in the summer i mean it'll be april and we're already thinking about the next year so you know we both have we're both pretty driven about the sport so you know you you, you mentioned that a second ago you know a, a you gotta have the money B, you got to have the drive, but but C, the thing that you really need is the time off. You know, you could be a yeah. spectacular angler, but if you can't get up there and pre-fish, well, that doesn't work. And, and you know, that, yeah, just like you say, you, you, you do definitely have to have all three if you're going to make a, a serious run at it. Yep, I'll agree. And the, the other thing about that, too, is, you know, when I first started, I was in college and I had a lot of time. And, uh, I think there's a fine line between spending too much time on a lake and just the right amount of time. I've been, I've been to places where I spent too much time there and by Friday, you know, you aren't getting much accomplished or, um, you're overthinking the lake. So, you know, each of us have day jobs. Um, you know, we have careers and I think, you know, we try to spend the latter half of the week and then the Saturday spending the time on the lake. And then if we have a two day tournament, you know, we'll go up and spend a week there, but uh, like I said, we um, I think we spend the, just the right amount of time on, on each lake and, uh, you know, and not try to bog things down. So there's that's kind of another thing we do, I guess, is. Yeah, doing, if, yeah. if you have a shorter amount of time to pre-fish, you know, you're a little more driven because you know what you need to get done in a shorter period of time. Oh. I think you get kind of lax if you have too much time. Exactly. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a balance. Yeah. 
Now, Colby, th- this one uh, we'll, we'll ask you first. What what do you guys think that you guys do different than, say, the average two anglers? Um, me and Matt. You know, if me and Matt are like, yep, well, you know, we're tournament partners. We're going to get out there and, and we're going to fish. What what sets you guys, you know, and m- more specifically, you two uh, away from us? You know, obviously, the, the, the tournament anglers, that's a whole different style of fishing than what me and Matt are used to just going out there and, and you know, trying to catch a meal or, or doing whatever we're doing out there, fun fishing. You know, you guys have a whole different style of fishing. But, I mean, you guys have been very, very successful in in you know, the last few years, what do you guys think that you do different? Then, um, I'll go about that in two different ways. Cause I feel like the, you were trying to ask a question, uh, Ben and Ben and I are different in two ways that Ben, if, if we're both working a weed break or a weed or a break, Ben will work shallow and I'll always tend to start working deeper. Um, so we're both very different in our approaches, which makes us, you know, who we are. You know, I've always wanted to chase deep fish and Ben's always good at dialing in weed bites and stuff like that. Um, I feel like that's where you're going first. But yep. secondly, you know, um, what makes us different than everyone else is, uh, and I know Ben will attest for this because we talk about it every once in a while, is fishing off memories and um being too ignorant to um uh take uh things away from how you got beat before like if i get beat by something i'm willing to change and that was for equipment and um knowing how to use the equipment that we have uh you know as tools and knowing when to use our tools such as live scope uh cameraing all that good stuff we always have the latest and greatest and i feel like we're pretty dialed in on on how to use these because we use them weekly you know yeah Mm -hmm. if that makes sense i guess ben do you want to add to that any yeah you know i i think a big thing that separates us from you know the average people i would say is kind of being aware of our surroundings a little bit too when we're on the ice you know noticing what's going on around us if the bites change for us you know noticing say yada yada these people over here are moving they're setting hooks i hate to say it but during a tournament you're you're focused on what you're doing but at the same time you're cognizant of what's going on around you um just like the way fish react i mean a lot of times a bite's going hot something changes we're able to you know make changes to get that bite going again whether it be getting on a different school of fish knowing when to give up on a certain school of fish you know this last weekend um when we ended up winning that tournament we tried and tried and tried as hard as we possibly could on this school of fish, but we had a plan B. We know when we knew when to go to it. We, we like we said, we called off the dogs and, and it was time to go do that. I think sometimes people maybe throw in the towel. I mean, I, we didn't have a fish. We didn't have a fish till after nine 30. We never even caught a single fish. We never wow. set a hook Spent little time with line in the water, trying to get on top of these fish. Mm-hmm. I think uh, for us, we knew it was just the beginning. We still had, you know, four and a half hours of fish. So we weren't super concerned. I think other people in that instance, if they haven't caught a fish in an hour and a half, might be a little bit reluctant to push it harder. Right. Do you guys ever find yourself, like, find people that stick with the fish too long that they're because they're catching fish, but they're never going to, like, upgrade them? But, 
I mean, they're like, well, we're catching fish, so we're just going to stick keeping keeping after them instead of trying to find the quality fish. Yeah, I, you know, I see that a lot, you know, and and I look at, you know, this, let's just take, for instance, this last lake we were at, there was, there was a lot of little fish in the deeper holes and the right fish were not in the deeper holes. They were, they were in flats. Um, and I like that. And I think we both like that because if we find fish in holes and we know they're not the right fish, we know there's going to be some teams that get bogged down in that. Right. You know, yeah. just. You know, and I used to be that way, you know, just starting out. There's teams that are happy to fill a bag, and then there's teams that know what it know what weight it takes to win the lake. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we knew we knew before that tournament started on Sunday, if we had the right fish, ten pounds was very easily doable. You know, we Matt Johnson had interviewed us afterwards and we said that the lake had the right fish for ten pounds if we could have caught up with them fish. They we caught some really nice ones pre-fishing. It just it didn't work out that day. I mean, granted, everybody else struggled as well. Right All on. right. All right. Now, Kobe, this one, you, we'll start off with you on this one. Now, do you guys yeah. have specific roles that each of you do as fishing partners, like coming into a tournament? Like, you know, is one of you guys, you know, I got this covered, and the other one is like, okay, I got this covered. Do you guys have specific roles in your team? You know, uh, looking at the role part of things, I think we each start out, um, in our own direction, but what, what happens is we tend to find, um, we'll look at multiple different depths, uh, inside turns, um, basins on day one. Always. We'll, we'll both be searching on day one. We'll find we seem to find a common theme like the, at this last lake, it seemed to be, you know, in that, uh, 13 to 17 foot on flats that are near an inside turn or something like that. So after, after the first day, we kind of have somewhat of an idea of what to go back to the hotel and look for areas that look just like areas that we both found fish on day one. And then after that, so then day two, we'll both look at area, depending on how big the lake is, we'll both look at areas that look like that. And then, um, Ben, I know he'll admit to this. We, uh, I, you know, he, he enjoys catching and I enjoy finding. Finding is very rewarding to me. And so he'll always go off and, uh, start sampling the areas that, that we have found fish and we always kind of, like Ben said earlier, we always know what weight it takes, you know, general idea of what weight it takes to win, to win each lake, just based off of hearsay and, and maybe Minnesota fisheries data. But so he'll, he'll kind of sample, we each carry a scale, we'll sample these fish and, uh, you know, know if they're the right ones or not. And then, you know, after the third day or whatever, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, know which fish are in which area and so like i said i i've always i've always been kind of the searcher and ben's always good at dialing in the bite if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely ben do you have anything no i would completely agree with that you know kobe he's awesome at you know live scope work going he covers a lot area really fast and does a really good job with it i i've yet to find where he really missed something 
know, it's kind of nice when you can rely on somebody to go out and pre-fish and not miss things. I need need a Colby in my life that just goes out there, (laughs) finds the fish, and says, hey, come on over and catch them. (laughs) (laughs) It works out pretty good, you know. Like like Colby said, we've had places, you know, such as Green Lake or Okaboji back in the day when the bite was really, really tough. And that, I think anybody that knows me, my friends growing up fishing with me, everybody I talk to, I love finesse fishing. I, I like fishing tiny. I like, you know, really having a very good cadence in my jigging. I focus on what it takes to catch fish. Once we dial that in, Kobe comes right in and picks up just as fast as I tell him, and it's just bang, bang, bang from there. Yeah, I will agree with that. Now, now in these tournaments, uh, is there a rule that you guys can't be uh, so far away from each other, or, or what? what is the rule on that? Uh, we never get more than probably, I mean, we don't even come close to what the constraints are. We're always side by side working off our machines. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, okay. um, it is 30 steps though. 30 usually, steps. UPL is 30 steps and, and, uh, usually, usually we're never, you know, if we're working, a if we're chasing fish in basin, we'll, we'll never even come close to that far apart just because we know exactly where the school is. And chances are that school is nowhere near that. We're, you know, when we work basins kind of going into this, um, which we end up doing a lot uh, because, you know, up in Minnesota and wherever you go, there's there's always basin fish and they tend to be the bigger fish. Uh, but just to kind of allude on that a little bit, I guess um, one of us is, oh, if, if fish are flighty and moving all the time, like they are a lot, we run into that a lot. One of us is drilling and on live scope. One of us is drilling and working the live scope and the other partner is fishing, you know, so I can drill him a hole right on top of the school and I know where I can keep him on top of fish um, all the time. So therefore we're never really uh, working that far apart, if you will. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys... If we're working a weed bed like we were this this last weekend um, for our bluegills, you'll find us kind of pushing that limit a little bit just because we're trying to cover water in an area. You know, when the bite gets tough, yep. uh, we we spread up we spread out a little bit when we're working weed beds. I find. Yep. Yeah, that that would make sense. Have yep. you guys ever had a time when? One of you guys wanted to go one way and the other guy wanted to kind of go the other way. And, and it was like, yeah, like, I mean, have you ever had that? Like where you maybe didn't quite agree? Kind of second guess each other. I would say, yeah, we do. And it, you know, looking back, it's hard to, even if it wasn't the right decision, it's hard at the time to say that. So I don't think either one of us ever really get too excited. And I, like, I hate to say it, but a lot of times when we make that decision, you know, whichever way we go, it seems like it has been working out. Right. Because um, usually our plan A and plan B are usually, and plan C are usually very comparable. Yep. Um, if we're arguing on them, if we're arguing about a spot, it, it's because they, they are so much alike. Yeah. Yeah. We, we know these areas so well that it's pretty much, uh, if I say let's go, or if Ben says let's go, let's go. You know, one of us is thinking it, so it's probably true. The other one, it probably just didn't click right away. Like, we got to go. So we always agree, and we always know before the tournament. We've never found ourselves in an area that 
we it, that wasn't in our game plan. I mean, that's just it's always part of our game plan. Our our game plans are so fine tuned to uh, to how we like to fish, and um, I guess we always just know where to go. So we never we never really butt heads that bad. I don't. Now now no. how now how big of a challenge is that for you guys? Like then you know you guys do all the map work and you're doing your pre fishing. And then come tournament day, you know, all these other teams are also doing the same thing. And all those guys are kind of on the same, you know, page as you guys are, you know, got the same thinking as you guys. How often do you guys run into it where, you know, you guys are competing for spots with the other teams out there? Oh, I would say just about every tournament. Uh, Minnetonka, for example, there was several teams in every spot that we fished. Um, Okaboji, you know, it was close combat there. Um, this last weekend on, um, on, uh, Shields Lake, it actually wasn't too bad. Um, I guess it just kind of depends on the lake and what there is for availability. You know, some of these places that just have really small basins and they're holding good fish. I mean, it's such a small area you can fish or, you know, sometimes right. on West there'll be certain portions that are holding a lot more bluegills. Well, in that case, you know, and everybody's kind of just combat fishing right side by side. Green Lake last year, um, there was a brush pile uh, underwater that we combat fished with some teams on there. Everybody was kind of pushed into an area. Um, but yeah, it, it does happen quite a bit. Yep. Now, now I want to talk a little bit about uh, this NAIFC tournament that was over at Okaboji uh, Westlake, Okaboji, and Emerson Bay here. Um, I don't know. It's got to be five weeks ago or something like that. And, uh, um, I mean, I think it's pretty well public knowledge. It was, uh, you know, there was pictures and whatever. But, I mean, the the winning bite and, and, and a lot of the guys who were, were really on it was literally, like, what, 40 yards off the boat ramp? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm thinking in my head, like, there is absolutely no way me that I would have showed up there, gone pre-fishing. Like, I've got a live scope. I'm not good at it, but I've got one. I mean, I would have never thought, like, oh, yeah, right here. So when you guys have decided that, you know, this is probably where it's going to go down, are you guys thinking, like, are we crazy for thinking this? Or, or I mean, did you kind of know a lot of people were kind of in on that bite? Yeah, there was, uh, you know, there was a few people as as we worked through that area with the camera, you know, both of us, Kobe grew up, what, a mile from the lake? Yeah, mile from the lake. Yeah, and I grew up, my uncle fishes that lake all the time, and he was, I was lucky enough to have him take me with pretty much every weekend. Prior to the tournaments, I had caught so many fish in my life off that boat ramp. I mean, it, it was a very well known what was potential there. It seems every year there's all kinds of big bluegills there. Um, so we... Yeah, that was our first place that we checked, or one of the first places we checked. And this year was different. The fish were off a different side than normal. Um, so be at the was it the third day, Kobe, that you're out there, second or third day you come across all them bluegills? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was first first ice. First ice, you could see those weeds um, through, the, through the ice, and you dropped a camera in there. Those bluegills were right at the base of the weeds. Um, but anyway, Ben, go ahead. You, those, those were the only standing weeds off the boat ramp. That's basically why they were there. Yeah. And that's what we came to a conclusion. We didn't think as we went farther south, it didn't look good. So we kind of spent some time up in little Emerson and there was good fish up in little Emerson too. It just, you're going to have to fight through a lot more small fish. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, once we came into the boat ramp and saw what was there, I mean, it, if I could show you some of my camera footage when we were looking there, it was it was loaded to the gills. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> on, on on that lake, uh, you know, looking at Emerson, if you look back at, you know, where everybody has uh, been successful in NAIFC on Emerson or even Stan's tournaments back when they did those, um, it's always been where the best standing weeds are. And if you look at the way uh, this fall panned out with how, you know, ice set in uh, rather late, I guess, um, you know, this fall was windy. It knocked a lot of weeds down. The bar has usually, you know, the bar between Pocahontas and Eagle has, has always typically had bluegills. But if you go out there, there just is not the, uh, the quality of weeds that there has been in the past. And I yeah. think that's why a lot of those uh, good bluegills have been driven into, uh, you know, off the beach there where, where there's good weeds in Little Emerson. I mean, it was pretty cut and dry that and evident that it was either going to be Little Emerson or, or right off the boat ramp. It was, And then it was an easy pick after I think Ben went through Little Emerson and he, he fished that. You know, I think Ben, you spent probably what two, three hours in there sorting fish, and yeah. he had all fish in there versus the spot that we found. I mean, there was just going to be a heck of a lot less sorting off the boat ramp, and we caught the you know the typical um, uh, year. We caught the best year. the The better year class was off the boat ramp, I think. Yeah, your your average fish coming off the boat ramp was over two hundred grams, and a lot of the stuff in Little Emerson was, you know, I, just to go, I'll convert it to inches. A lot of the fish in Little Emerson were five to seven inches. Yeah. I mean, the fish off the boat ramp, it, you didn't catch many under, you know, seven, six and a half, seven. Now, you guys mentioned talking about, like, combat fishing with your fellow competitors on tournament day. But do you guys ever find during pre-fishing and stuff like that that you guys get followed around a lot? You know, people trying to see, like, where you guys are trying like just casual fishermen, not other tournament fishermen, you know, just all of a sudden you guys kind of stop at a spot, fish it for a little bit, and then other guys kind of come in and fish behind you? Um, Casual fishermen, I, you know, I think we get uh, the old red X on our back more for uh, uh, competitors than we do casual fishermen. I, I, you know, Ben and Ben and I still talk to it because I think Ben fun fished right off the boat ramp there. What was that, Ben? Like three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, yeah. I and, took and the, you know, back to we talked about it what ten, fifteen minutes ago about fishing off memories and what makes you know local fishermen and us uh, a little different. You look at where the good bites were in the past couple years on Emerson. People are still fishing those areas, and it's never been right off the beach and that area still hasn't been, you know, completely torn up, you know, so fishing off memories, I feel like, um, people have always been walking to the same spot or driving out to the same spot setting up because there's always been bluegills there. And, uh, so I feel like, I don't think we get followed too much by local, you know, local presence, but. No, the only, the only time I ever had a lot of trouble is I had kind of a unique, four-wheeler when i had my j wheels on it and i had all these racks and everything built on and i had people tell me oh i seen you here i seen you there <laughs> um, and that's fine you know that's, right that's cool, but, 
I don't like it when I come back on a Sunday and they beat me there in the morning and it was a spot where they seen me. Yeah. Yeah. You ben, know, ben okay. do you guys have, do you guys have uh, a set, a, a team out there, you know, either in ultimate Panfish league or the NAIFC that, that you would consider your rivals, whether it be friendly or not. But I mean, do you guys have rivals for say? Um, I would, I don't know if I'd really call them rivals, but I, I know there's, there's teams out there that are really driven to try and beat them because you know how good they are. Right. Um, right. Yeah. You know, you got, uh, well, Jim and Zach from Nebraska, you got, uh, Clayton and Hill, uh, you know, guys up in UPL, um, you got Anthony and Chad, they're crazy good. Nick and Kevin are crazy good. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of these guys that are top tier anglers that have been there, done that, been doing this for a long time. I would say there, it's always a friendly competition, friendly rival. You know, when they, when guys like that beat us, it, it it bothers me, but it doesn't bother me because I know who I got beat by. Right. You know, they're they're that good. A lot of them guys are just on another level. Yep. Now, now Matt, Aaron Berg, they're just the same. They're super good too. Now, me and Matt were kind of talking uh, before we uh, called in to you guys, and uh, we want to know if it was up to you guys and you guys had to pick four lakes uh, to, to have tournaments on, you know, maybe this is your four favorite, but if, but if you were a tournament director and you were to pick four lakes, what four lakes would it be? Uh, Colby, we'll start with you. Um. I guess it depends what the circumstances and what region you're talking about. But uh, Ben and I have always wanted to see a um, a league, a panfish league, start up in in this area, and uh, basically just go around and uh, and uh, fish different bays, or say we go to East Lake or whatever. But uh, we always joke that once we retire, we're going to do that just for the fun of it to watch people, but. Um, I guess if you had to get out of this area, um, it's tough not to go want to go back to lakes that you did successful on. Uh, but if, if we were a tournament director, I don't know. Um, you'd always want to go to places that that you know have quality fish, so that the so that uh, the league or the circuit or whatever was successful. But uh, I don't know, Ben. Can you answer that? I I guess. Yeah, you know, I've got some lakes in mind that I think would be awesome, and and there's some of the lakes that we've already fished. But you know, Green Lake up in Spicer, it's phenomenal fishery. It's got a lot of good fish. It's a good time. The the bite is really tough. I mean, it, it's not an everyday angler's lake. Some of them them fish are pressured there. They are very hard to catch. Um, but the potential for big fish is there. I think uh, Lake Osakis, you know, when I was younger, my parents used to go on vacation to Osakis. That's a great panfish lake. There's a lot of water, a lot of places that can handle the pressure. It's already super pressured. Um, I'd like to see a tournament on East Okaboji. You know, we've been on West the last three years. East has got a lot of good panfish, and it would be a totally different bite. Um, I think that would be a really good place to be. You know, and then, you know, as we look up north, there's so many lakes up by Natawash, you know, for the NAFC Championship. Several of them lakes we fish, North and South Twin, they're fun. Bass Lake's fun. Yeah. I never did fish Schneider, but Tulabee's fun. I wouldn't go back to Roy. That's a, a nursery. But otherwise, most of them lakes I, I really think were great lakes. It's awesome we have the championship up there. 
yeah, that that. Is, is there any lakes that like you guys don't want to see? Like, no, don't put that one on the schedule. Honestly, we're kind of talking about it. Um, looking back, and I think all of us in the UPL can attest to this. Uh, we've been to Green Lake a couple times, and we took something home from that lake, and uh, we're starting to notice kind of a, a trend up north that a lot of these crappies are are deeper than what a guy truly thinks and that's because we're finding bites that have never been found before with live scope ben and i actually pulled crappies out of 60 to 70 foot of water up there what? wow and uh um if that would have been a good day and we'd have, you know really hammered on them you could beat a lake up pretty quick because every every fish you brought up was was dead right and uh we yeah. you know so those are kind of lakes that are fun to go to once but i think we talked about it a little bit is uh just new lakes new lakes that have never had a tournament on them before um and just you know things that are out of the norm you know you find a lot of these places there was a tournament there within the last two or three years you know um and a lot of them, you know, we go up to UPL and stuff. There's a lot of local knowledge because there's been so many tournaments on on specific lake or said lake. And so I think it'd be cool just to go to go to lakes that that, like I said, have never had a tournament held on them. Yep. Oh, absolutely. That's, I know that this is the, that's the last time I ever garhole Scott and tell him that I was catching fish out in sixty <laughs> foot of water because he's gonna go out there and catch him now. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you guys ever, do you guys get to go out and fun fish that much or are you always pre-fishing? No, it, it's a, uh, it's a lot of pre-fishing. You know, we've talked about this year. Um, like my wife, I'd love to take her fishing. I think in the future here, I'm going to try and do more of that. Um, but yeah, the last couple of winters, you know, how many tournaments have we fished? Like seven in the last, both, both the last two years, seven, eight tournaments. Oh, well we had, uh, six seven this year plus last year's upl that's four plus the nafc championship last year in okaboji it's on two hands or well over two hands ain't it yeah we we seldom have time just to go out and you know just go out there and fun fish and not worry about having any pressure but you know after we've been doing this tournament thing this much it's hard for me to go out and fish if I don't have a goal when I'm out there. I mean, that might sound kind of weird. No, I was going to ask if it was hard to turn it off. You know, it's like... It's you... hard to turn it off. I don't have patience. I think anybody that knows me in my life outside of fishing, I have very little patience. I just uh, constantly have to be doing something or going somewhere or, you know, keep myself occupied. And I used to be able to sit and, you know, fishing was... I used to be able to sit and fish with a bobber. I mean, there's no chance you'd get me to do that again. <laughs> No, now it's always on the chase. I, I'm like Kobe, and I, I love the chase. I absolutely love hammering fish. If I'm not catching fish, you know, people joke around. They call it fishing, not catching. Well, me and Kobe both like to call it catching. Yeah. I, you know, like like going back to that question you guys had a little bit ago about about roles and stuff like that, you know, um, to me it's not catching. That's not, you know, that's fun. That's what it takes to win. And that's what I got Ben for. But finding fish is just the fun part to me. You know, 
dropping a camera on a huge school of crappies is just as fun as catching them to me. You know, I might catch a few just to verify and, and see, but I just like finding, I love finding fish, you know, it's just, that's the fun part about it to me. So you won't find me grinding an Okaboji bite as much as what you'll find Ben. I would rather be running around and finding different stuff, I guess. The more waypoints I can make, the better, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of, it's always kind of fun to get back to the ramp and people are like, oh man, it was tough out there today. And it's just like, oh really? Yeah, no, we found them. <laughs> so yeah, we kind of yeah. hammered on them today. So <laughs> yeah, that's what kind of started my drive. You know what? When I was younger, I'm sure you guys are familiar. There's a lot of Wisconsin uh, tourists that come in to fish Okaboji in the wintertime. When I was younger, I used to fish. They fish a lot of community holes and I'd fish right beside them. And I'd get my butt whooped all the time. And it was kind of a driving force for me to just to try and get better in the community hole. So that's kind of what I've done. And I've loved to fish pressured fish. You bet. Uh, something that I wanted to talk to you guys about, um, you know, you, you guys have talked about it on social media. Um, I know Colby uh, did uh, an outdoor report a week or two ago and, and he kind of dipped on it, but uh you guys do a lot of rod modifications, and you guys fish a lot with the schoolie reels. Uh, ben, I'll start off with you, but uh, what's the re? I, I know you chopped down a couple handles on some rods and whatnot. What is the reason for that? For me, I guess the biggest thing is comfort, and the second thing is probably weight. Those are the two things that I look at. Um, the way that I grip a rod based on using a schoolie reel versus a spinning reel, I like the way a smaller handle fits in my hand. Um, and that's, you know, that's not the only modifications we do on rods. You know, that's some of the ones we've talked about. Some of the other ones, you know, I, I get rods built by uh, a buddy in Michigan that he builds rods so we can put palm rod indicators on the end. Um, I got another friend in Wisconsin that builds long rods for me and builds, you know, St. Croix spring bobber rods, different technique specific rods. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my main reason though, as far as shortening them handles up is just for a comfort thing, the way they fit in my hand. Okay. I didn't know, you know, you mentioned weight and I didn't know if that was due to bite detection or if that was, you know, muscle fatigue after literally jigging for, you know, five days straight. Uh, I, I didn't know exactly what the reason on that was. Sensitivity. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And now the, these schoolie reels, you know, for I'll be honest, I don't own one. I'll be honest. I look at them and I think, man, I, I, I don't, I don't know if that one's for me. But, I mean, you tournament anglers, I mean, the schoolie reels are really becoming a, a, a big deal in on the tournament scene. Uh, Colby, what exactly is the reason for that? Um, I mean, to be quite blunt about it, we've all been beat by one. And I think Ben and I can both attest for that. We've both been beat by them. Um, and, you know, the more and more we fish them, the more and more reason we find that, that – uh, they're one heck of a tool you know you go on go on the tangent about um for one everybody goes back to the line twist you know that that is true 100 percent because you don't have that that bearing on the spinning reel that gets iced up that's not moving anymore causing line twist that's one and then you know ben talked about comfort that's 100 percent. you know instead of um gripping the 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 spinning reel from the underside you know our our 
our hand is placed on the top side of the rod with the schoolie reel facing down with our pointer finger on the most sensitive part of the handle. Um, a lot of it, you know, is on, on sensitivity and be able to det- detect the bite in, in a couple different ways rather than one. You know, Ben talked about we use, we use palm rod indicators. Um, I talked about those in, the, in that outdoor report that you, that you referred to. But being able to detect a bite off of a palm rod indicator plus off of feel because of the lightweight and the comfort of the rod, um, it's just compact. And then, you know, uh, we've fished enough tournaments in the cold. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, a lot of the components on these spinning reels are uh, some type of uh, of metal. You, you know how metal is when it gets cold and, you know, on the days you wouldn't stick your tongue on metal, um, would you would you stick your, your spinning reel in the slush? Right. And then it gets slushed up. Then you got a mess. You probably missed a fish or something. So I, we just find that with uh, with the schoolie reels, there's there's less there's less uh, error. Yeah, right. A lot less components, less to go wrong. Yeah, yep. Yep, they're simple. I mean, there there really ain't much to them. Their their drag system is, I mean, the with the tensioner with the spring. I mean, it, it seems to be absolutely perfect to me. And if it's not, I can make an adjustment just by riding my thumb on the spool. And they're five yeah. bucks, so you can get a ton of them. I probably have 45 of them set up. <laughs> now, now what, what's the depth that it's like, nah, we ain't doing a schoolie reel anymore? Is there? I mean, you know, you guys mentioned catching fish like super deep. I mean, you know, how, how, how deep are you willing to go with the schoolie reel? Well, we schoolie fish there. Did you? Yeah. We did that because it was super, super cold out. We brought spinning stuff because... We always, we always bring the stuff, you know, we tried it out. We knew it was going to be really cold and we know what happened the day before. So we were like, this thing happened. Ben, do you remember how cold it was? Green Lake start. It was six, in the negatives, wasn't it? Six, below, six or eight below a takeoff and like 25 mile an hour wind. Beautiful. Oh yeah. Nice. I got frostbite that day. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I did. My fingers didn't like me too much. Yeah. No. Those, those ones though, guys, we, uh. An eighth ounce pinhead sinks just as fast on a schoolie as it does a spinning reel. Really? Right. It, it, it's just when we're doing stuff like that, those fish are on the chow. You know, they, they'll eat about anything you put in front of them. Um, so I guess the more efficient we can be, uh, the more fish we put on the ice in, in situations like that. And a lot of times we only have a short time to. Uh, to put fish on the ice so if we learned the hard way on losing a fish from a spinning reel or something we're probably not going to do it again so right. um i guess it comes down to the efficiency standpoint and put more fish on the ice if it were 40 degrees out uh, by all means we'd probably use a spinning reel if oh. it were 70 feet deep but you know i ben can you want to loot on that i guess but no, I say yeah, hundred percent. It's way faster with the spinning reel. There's no doubt, but there's your margin for error. You're gonna have like when Kobe said, when we're fishing in ten below zero and absolutely miserable. I mean, my line was freezing. I the day before, like he said, we tried them out. My line was freezing to my bail on my reel. I mean, I was getting ice buildup on it. I'd reel it in, and the line wouldn't come off the spool. It just was very, yeah. very frustrating. Yeah. The the other thing, you know, the biggest thing is with those spinning reels, is to be honest, 
for our style, nobody makes an arbor that's big enough to prevent uh, that line memory or coil. You know, when it's super cold out, it seems like that arbor just isn't isn't uh, large enough to prevent that. I guess. So that's what we run into when it's super cold out. You know, the line never wants to just free fall because, because of that, you know, I guess, I guess we just haven't gotten rid of that. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's just nuts what you guys will go out there and fish in and on the tournament day. I mean, you guys probably heard on here, we have kind of a saying that you're know, hard on our gear and stuff like that, but you tournament anglers are definitely hard on your gear. There's no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. we had a buddy this last weekend that, that wrecked a live scope. So yeah, what did I see? Like sixteen pieces of that thing, right, right oh, off, the, right during the takeoff, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, jeez. Yeah. No. So I mean, between, go ahead. between both Ben and I, I bet we're you know between this year and last year, I'd say we're probably over what Ben probably four or five thousand dollars of broken stuff. Ooh. Easy, easy. There's a chance your wives could listen to this. <laughs> I did say that's, that's a, maybe a little bit high, but yeah, it's been pretty painful. Every every we tournament we wreck something. Every single tournament we wreck something. But it's always like five dollars. Well, it's only five dollars yeah. schoolie reel or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think we've gone we've both we've both gone through a live scope transducer. That's yeah. your hand, right? so ouch i mean but you know the good thing is is i think this year we found companies that have excellent customer service we work with the companies that have good customer service you know you look at live like live scope and um we've both had numerous calls with garmin and the one tournament i uh i had the live scope transducer show up on my doorstep the next day wow. that's a company you wow. want to you know you want to uh you know you want to support their product and that's why we use their product if you can back it up um we're going to continue to use it you know so we haven't necessarily you know paid out of our pocket for a lot of this stuff that we broke but we if somebody doesn't cover something we've learned that we're probably going to go to somebody that's uh going to back up their product because we go through more you know like just for an example, I think we've each had three, four, three or four cameras, haven't we, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, and and you know we we've started working with uh, AquaView just because it's a no questions asked. We send it in and they send it back, and it's just it's simple stuff. You know, you'll get a you'll get a blue screen or or it won't turn on or you know it's it's not necessarily that you know we are hard on stuff, but it's also getting used a lot. Right. In, yeah. in conditions that, you know, it's not just put on a ram mount on, you know, someone's pole in their shack. You know, it's bouncing around in a bucket or outside when it's, you know, negative 15 and maybe maybe dropped in the snow and when, you, you know, just stuff like that. You know, normally it's sitting in somebody's basement and, you know, we when we're pre-fishing, we don't have a choice what the weather's like. We're out there and our, our stuff is, uh, getting abused from not only us, but by the weather, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 when you talk about numbers like that, it makes it sound like we're awful reckless. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go saying that. It's just that we do put our equipment to the test and we get heavy usage out of right, it. Right. You use it. Yep. Yep. 
Now, now you guys have a lot of brands that. Uh, well, I, I, I guess I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. But uh, you, you guys have some brands that that definitely you guys stick by. Uh, you know, Colby just mentioned uh, uh, Aquaview, um, but I know you guys, uh, Free, Freedom Baits, and and you guys are both wearing those graph suits. Uh, why, why don't you quick tell us a little bit about Freedom Baits, and then tell us about those graph suits because they're relatively new to the market and uh you, you you don't see them out there very often no you know i guess i can i'll touch on freedom baits if you want to touch on graph kobe yeah yeah um so yeah uh, the thing that brought me to freedom baits to be honest with you uh kobe and i fished a tournament uh lake on alaska and wisconsin on the river um you know some of the guys that did really well i talked to them after the tournament and they told me they were fishing a, a bait from freedom baits called an apache now if anybody's in the finesse plastics, the Apache's one of the best out there. It's a super small little bait. Um, but once I got the chance to get to talking to them guys, you know, they're super nice guys. They kind of explained to me. They showed me some of the other baits. And I talked to their tournament director. I said, if you guys ever want somebody to promote these baits, I'd be happy to promote a bait that kind of whooped my butt. Um, so that's kind of how we got started behind that. And then, you know, they're they're a great cause. I mean, they're, they're all for the veterans. That's the one thing that I really like. And they're kind of like a family, you know. Um, the guys are always the first one to congratulate you. I'll wish you good luck in the morning. I mean, it's, it's a great company to represent that way. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, talking about graph, I think, you know, to begin with, if we, it helped that we were with freedom baits because, um, with Yasik and, and all those guys that, uh, are with freedom baits are the ones who really started promoting graph in the u.s okay um it was it you know that suit has uh i don't know how many years but it's it's been it was first originated in poland okay um so you know just to go into why why uh why we promote them is uh they're a great product for for the avid um what do I want to say more, um, mobile angler, you know, if you, if you just starting with the bibs, I guess, uh, if you look at the bibs, just think of it as you're not wearing, um, a pair of Husky jeans anymore. You're more, it's more slim fit, you know, so I don't want to, you know, don't take this wrong, but we have no, there's no thigh gap. So we have zero chase, you know, it's just, they're comfortable. It's for it's form fitting, but you know it's for it's form fitting clothing, um, comfortable to wear, uh, very lightweight, very lightweight, very lightweight. If you if you hold that thing up, I I've never weighed it, but it's I don't like comparing it to the competitor, but it's less than half the weight of the competitor. Wow. Yep. So I I don't know. Um, we do have a new one coming out this next year. Uh, availability on that, I'm not sure. We, we're we're bringing a, a boot lineup to the U.S. Um, that that the uh, Polacks did have. Um, you know, we we've got we've got um, men's and women's base layers, gaiters. Uh, we've got our own socks. I know Ben wears the socks. Uh, beanies uh we have an excellent i i have yet to really play with it in the summer but the guys who do wear the rain gear like the rain gear um but like i said this stuff all came from from poland 
And uh, I guess we like to work with with companies that bring new things to the industry. Um, and I guess not only that, but products that that we like to promote because we haven't had issues with them. I guess you know it's 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 warm. Uh, you don't have to wear. Uh, you don't have to layer up underneath of it. Um, I guess what more can I say, Ben? Do you want to cover anything? I guess why you like wearing your suit? No, I'll just say that you know the, the first thing I got when I got mine. Uh, the first thing I did, I tried it on. I lift my hands over my head. Now I'm not going to bash any brands. The the brand I had before, I was so bulky I couldn't lift my hands up hardly above you know to my sides, and I could move as if I was wearing a sweatshirt when I put the graph suit on. I think anybody that's that's grabbed one. I remember uh, back when stands when I brought one into the shop to show them, they they couldn't hardly believe it. I mean, they they put their hands on. They're like, there's nothing to it. You know, there's no weight to it. And, I, and they asked me, is it warm? I said, oh yeah, it's super warm. I was a, I got to wear it for the last tournament of the year last year. I had to take the coat off. It was too warm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So when when you have the chance to wear clothing that's too warm, it makes you appreciate that on the days when it's uh, 25 below zero and windy like we fished last year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I mean, I I guess basically flat out what you're saying is i mean you guys demand a lot out of your gear and and uh you know uh the 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 brands that are are willing to meet those demands are the ones that you're going to go with and and i mean i i got to applaud that that you you know hold no alliance going into it you know and and uh you guys are going to use what's what's best for you yeah you know i've I've told people jokingly i think i could throw my vexler out the back of my pickup down the highway pick it up and use it that's another brand that, you know, we push our Vexlars pretty hard and, you know, banging transducers and whatever else. And, you know, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't happen my next tournament, but I've been lucky enough not to have any problems with that thing. Yeah. yeah. Just say on a cold day, there's not one piece of equipment that ours that hasn't been beat with a rubber mallet to get the ice off of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So can withstand that, I would say it's uh, it's gone through the, the ringer, if you will. Yeah. So absolutely well guys uh you know when we when we started off i think uh i think i said to you guys uh you know yeah you know ho- hopefully you know we get 20 minutes you know we'll try to go for 40 minutes and uh i'm, I'm looking here and we are uh uh we just passed 56 minutes so uh you know i i think we went above and beyond there was a lot of information packed into that and uh uh for that both me and matt thank you guys uh uh, for for kind of I don't know I I, I kind of think maybe you spilled a little juice there I hope you didn't say too much but uh, um, no I, I I truly uh, uh, I know I can speak for Matt but uh, we thank you guys for joining the uh, the show and how how many more tournaments you guys got the rest of the year we got one left one left maybe. fighting for team of the year oh yeah. yeah oh yeah we're pulling for you no doubt we we, we we might do another one but we haven't decided yet. So, okay. But we're, we for sure have one left on Clearwater for Ultimate Panfish League for Team of the Year. Are yeah. you guys sitting in first right now? Second. 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 Chad and Anthony, the legends are in first. Yeah. Well, they they don't know what's about to hit them. They're coming for you, Chad and Anthony. We I don't even know who Chad and Anthony are. So <laughs> here we are talking trash for you. There you go. All right, guys. Uh, well, like I said, uh, we definitely appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to uh, to sit and chat with us, and uh, we we wish you best of luck for the rest of this year and uh, uh, all the years going forward that you guys are teamed together. 
Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You bet. See ya. See ya. And there they go. That was Ben Luterman and Colby Craninger, uh, the the dynamic duo, the, the Super Stash Brothers, the Super Stash Brothers. That that that's probably. Although I see that Colby is rocking a little bit more facial hair right I now. I did notice kind ben, of the, all the always, way around. He Ben's rocking that sweet mustache. It's like the Magnum PI of the UPL. If if he, <laughs> I want him to show up, I want to show him to show up to weigh in with. A Hawaiian shirt on, straight Magnum PI style. That'd be badass, especially if they catch him. That'd be I mean, badass, he, but then they wouldn't be able to have the weigh-ins because the ladies would be around. Well, you heard them talk about their graph suits, how they're kind of form-fitting, and you know they didn't want to say it. They like the way I, their butts look. I, I'm, all right, I definitely, <laughs> I, I picked up what they were putting down. They, they got me thinking. I say no more. I'm gonna be over there looking over my shoulder in the mirror and stuff like that trying these things on it'll so. never make the ice you'll, you'll just be you'll just be in front of the mirror kind of flexing on them but uh no that was awesome it was it was um you it's, know it's just such a different beast fishing tournaments is i don't think that people realize like the work that those guys do. right and i mean you got to do it i mean if you want to be successful pre-fishing if it's negative twenty, guess what? You got to be out there fishing. You or or you're just donating your fish. entry money. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah, right. Thanks, Jesus. thanks. Uh, you know these these dudes. You know they talked Clayton Ketterling and, and all those you know, guys up there. Bunch of those just, dudes. I mean, they they'll be happy to take that entry money. Yes. You know, you just keep on paying and 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 skipping pre fishing. Right. Skip skipping doing all that. What is I that mean, old saying? Go. You just you got to outwork everybody because there's somebody out there outworking you. So yeah, I mean, well, uh. uh I don't know. There's there's a lot of guys. Uh, there's a lot of guys putting in a lot of hard work, and uh, it's just uh, awesome to see a couple of local guys. Yeah, no success doubt. like they are. Yep, no and, and very well deserving. I mean, it's not absolutely their their success didn't happen by accident. Nope, good dudes, and uh, um, it was a blast to have them on. So uh, that's right. Um, you know, this is the this is the part of the show when we normally dip into uh, good news stories and. Uh, before we started recording, I kind of mentioned to Matt, like, uh, uh, you got a good news story, and, and he kind of, hmm, and I'm thinking, I, hmm, I did I don't really have... I did get to do the hook removal thing this weekend. You got a hook in your hand? No. The dog did. <laughs> really? Yeah, I got a hook in her... Well, that's not a good news story. And a, but, I mean, we're just talking stories here. So I had to do the old, I got the fishing line doubled it up and put it on there luckily it was just a teardrop it wasn't like a treble hook or anything Ooh. like that and did the quick push down and give it a good yank and it popped right out she's good to go so really yep well you she, got pra- practice on her and now <laughs> now now if ramrod gets one in his eyeball we can <laughs> let, <laughs> we her rip. That let her rip let her rip we yanked that sucker out. so nope the good news story this week is that it is officially hooked on hard water week uh hopefully next week we've got so many good news stories uh um, you won't know what to do with all of them. Uh, chances are, I'm assuming we're going to be coming to you a day or two late again next week, yeah. uh, with our travel back, uh, from the Hills. Uh, we, we will be getting back on Sunday uh, and, uh, you know, Matt, Matt, you know, he, he's got a wife and, and whatnot that he's got to get to. I've got a family that's going to be waiting for me and, uh, um, yeah, probably recording a podcast, uh, on Sunday night after we get back, uh, is, is, is not going to be an option. Uh, I will bring along a microphone and my computer 
just in case we would happen to get uh, a little bit of downtime. Uh, you know, we've, we've got a lot of great dudes that are going to be out there. If I get a chance to record a little bit of something, maybe, maybe next week's episode will, will be, you know, have a little bit of a different, uh, sound look to it, whatever you have, uh, you want to call it. Uh, but, but honestly, I'm going to doubt it. Uh, we stay pretty busy out there, but, uh, we there, always, there's a chance. We always plan on a lot of different things out there, but it, the time goes so fast it does. that it's like, yeah. Yep, there's always some place you got to be, and uh, um, the second you get done with something, it's like, oh, got to go do that. So uh, I doubt that that will do any recording, but there's a chance. So uh, um, I will, I will bring the computer, and we'll see. But uh, aside from that, uh, we thank you guys for uh, joining episode 159. We will see you next week on episode 160 later. <laughs> <laughs>